Welcome to the Friendship News Hour, presented to you by Bummer Dude Media. Today is October the 18th, 2023. My name is Frank. His name's Alex. Hello, sir. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you? Good. Preparing for a long car ride to come see you, actually. Hey, how about it? Yeah. So it'll be the longest I've, like, like, a longest car ride I've done in a long time, though. Really? It's like, yeah. It's a little over, like, 12 hours, like, almost 13 hours for us, but we're splitting it up a little bit, but... Well, it should be. I mean, it should be pretty beautiful with the with the leaves and all that. Hopefully, it's not. Uh, hopefully, it's not like a, a terrible like. Uh, I don't know. You know, you're driving through like Buffalo and Rochester. Yeah, and, uh, it should be cool. Erie, Pennsylvania. I'm excited. Are we close to Scranton at all? No. No. Scranton. Scranton's much closer to Philadelphia, Philly, New York City. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But I'm excited, man. I'm excited. Come out there and hang out for a little bit. A little bit of fall weather. Yeah, dude. Come out to the to the uh, to the sticks, as it were. Watch Michigan, Michigan State together. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it'll be fun, man. It's like uh, it it is fall. Mm-hmm. Fall is here. We had a little like a little little tease of fall. Then it got warm again. Yeah. Last week it was like boom below sixty degrees, and it's not getting higher any higher. Probably until May. This is my shit, so, bro. This is my time yeah, of year. That's when it's I quite nice. I'm not gonna lie to you, man. Like it's it's chilly. It's not freezing. It's cold, but it's not like you're not you're not uh, chilled to the bone. Yeah, it's. I want to be wearing a hoodie, but still just cold enough that my nipples are hard underneath it. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. really the goal of my fashion sense. Yeah, and balance. we're in peak time right now for that. So. Oh yeah, it's quite a sensation. <laughs> quite a sensation. Hey, here's a question I haven't ever pondered. Okay. And I don't know why. Can police officers smoke pot? Like, should they be able to? Correct. Mm, that's tough. Man. That's so tough as a big proponent. Obviously not on the job. I don't believe so. If you're wielding a firearm. Yes. Um, at home, they're not really like on call, like a firefighter or anything. Should they be able to enjoy themselves? <sighs> I want to say yes. There's probably some kind of cognitive study out there that I'm ignoring in my own life that says that it's bad for you <laughs> in some way for memory or reaction time or some kind of thing. And, and that ignorance obviously is not because you're a consumer of marijuana. Right. Those exactly. two things are unrelated. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just wanted to make sure that. <laughs> I think it'd like be good for them to relax and, you know, must, like take it easy on their bodies and, and recompose their head and blah, 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 blah. The, but the only other thing I could see while it would be problematic is that like in places where it's illegal, especially if a cop is using it or for it, it can like help them not look at crimes regarding it as seriously, you know, sure. as they would. But I don't know. Why do you ask? Jersey City, New Jersey, mm-hmm. just passed an, uh, an ordinance. And it has to do with their workplace protection law regards to recreational marijuana. So th- there's a law that bars drug users from possessing a firearm. And Jersey City, New Jersey, the, the city of Jersey City, has said that possessing a firearm preempts the New Jersey marijuana law. And the, the recreational marijuana law basically says like you can't be um, you can't be discriminated by your work by your employer because you failed a marijuana drug test, and that's kind of the the second part of it. Which I think is the bigger part of it. There's no way to really test. I could be high right now. I'm not, but I could be, and you really would have no way of of knowing unless I told you or unless I like looked the part. I was gonna say I get my you face know? gives it away, bro. My eyes, anytime I'm high, it's it's like you can tell. It's, at least 
people that know me can tell instantly. Sarah, Zach. Really? Yeah, if I'm if I'm even drunk too, my eyes give myself away mm. all the time. I don't know why. But you can't like but your scenario of somebody going home and decompressing after work and having a joint or whatever mm-hmm. wouldn't allow a police officer to do that because if they tested positive, you test positive, you know, weeks in advance uh, or weeks after uh, consuming marijuana. Depending on your yeah, physical activity level, or if what it's happened. a hair test, months. Right, and so Jersey City, New Jersey, is saying because they are required by law to possess a gun, then that supersedes any workplace discrimination that might go on by them failing a drug test based on the recreational marijuana law. And so, it's a uh, it's kind of in the courts right now, and it's a, it's a bit open ended. But it, you know, I mean. What if you knew that a police officer was an alcoholic? Dude, I was just going to say that. Yeah. And maybe he wasn't even drunk on the job. Yep. But you knew that, like, I mean, that that affects your—I used to I used to work with a guy that, no joke, would bring a cooler to work in his truck and just leave it in the bed of his truck so that the moment he was done working, his beers would be cold. He might have a problem. Maybe. Right, and would just go at it, bro. <laughs> I'm talking like <laughs> that's hilarious. night. That's Coors crazy. Lights just, I know, bro. Oh and he would wake God. up the next morning. He'd be the first person in the office, sharp as a tack. You'd never know. <sighs> yes, but he had a problem, yeah. obviously. Like, right. oh, I was obvious to every, anybody. Like, this, this person had a problem drinking too much. I would say that person's more dangerous than somebody who would Agreed. just get high at night and then get up in the morning, drink a cup of coffee, and, and be ready to protect and serve. Because hangover is a real motherfucking thing for most people. Not this guy, apparently. The fucking cooler car guy but like right. you know hung over fucking being hung over is the fucking worst you're not concentrated at all or really thinking about what you're doing and i've never really had that from weed i don't think like the next day where i'm i have felt the same way you know thrown up and headache and just felt like shit the rest of the, like i've had entire days after getting drunk that were just kind of like wasted because i was fucking useless and sick i don't know yeah if you right. experience that it happens more to me now that i'm older i feel like have you do you feel like your hangovers have gotten worse Oh yeah, dude. It's dude. it's brutal. I feel like it's I got the shit beat out of me sometimes. Yeah. If I if I wake up just you know, if I had like just a glass too much too much of wine, man, mm. I'll wake up the next morning and be like, Fuh. Yeah. Yeah, we're getting old. Uh, yeah, it's not great. What I thought is interesting here too is that twenty three states, including DC, have legalized adult marijuana use. But most of those states, including Colorado, do not have workplace protections for off-work usage. In other yeah. words, you could get fired for consuming marijuana off the clock. It's like that, and you, we won't see a difference between weed and alcohol until it's like federally de- decriminalized or federally made legal recreational everywhere. Mm-hmm. Because in- until that happens, like you can't, re- you have to separate the two from each other. Even though it's kind of bullshit a little bit, I think as we just described, but until it's like legal everywhere and, and there's there's really no pushback on it, they won't be the same, mm-hmm. which is wild because we both know one is much like safer and better for you and the people around you than the other one. But yeah, reefer madness, fucked it up for everyone. Yeah. Uh, California, Connecticut, Minnesota, Montana, New Jersey, New York, Rhode Island, and Washington, D.C. The only states that have laws that forbid employers from firing employees solely based off of a positive drug test which is also kind of interesting. That's how you would get rid of uh, an employee who like sucks, but and you don't really have cause, but you just like, you don't want that. You don't it's just dead weight on mm-hmm. your payroll. And you're like, well, just wait for him to fucking break something or trip or do something and then test him. Cause you know, he's going to be positive and get his ass out of here. 
Yeah. Or her. Yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was, I mean, I don't know how great I would feel if like there was a bunch of stoner cops. <laughs> you know? yeah. Like Donut shop owners would rejoice. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. That's, that's an interesting story. When, when one thing dominates the news, it's really hard to find like other... Th- Did you know that 2,000 yeah. people in Afghanistan died like a week ago? From the earthquake, right? From an earthquake. Yeah, and you heard nothing Nobody's about fucking it. talking yeah. about it. Yeah. 2,000 people dead in an earthquake. I mean, it's just like... Crazy. So bad. Not it's that so far bad. from where all this shit's happening either. No, not at all. <laughs> and, you know, I think we've seen enough of Afghanistan to know like they don't have infrastructure to support Mm-mm. a giant earthquake. So, yeah, I mean, brutal. Just like just awful. But when, yeah, one thing dominates the news, it's really hard to find other stories. I would love to have talked to somebody who would have signed that Harvard letter, basically supporting not 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 supporting Palestine, but like some more supporting Hamas and what they did. I didn't see anything about this. Oh yeah, dude, it, the bat and the backlash is is hilarious. It's actually it's like it, like indirectly awesome because a bunch of donors are now like saying that they're they're not going to be donating a single cent more to like all these. Ivy League schools, Harvard and Penn, because their students are just so blatantly black and white about the whole thing. Mm. Whether you support one side or it doesn't matter. You don't like you don't support it. Um, but but they they've been so vocal about their anti-Israel stance that that they went ahead and signed a letter and caused a ton of backlash, like a ton of backlash. And now they're getting job offers revoked. Oh wow! Yeah, I know. But like, good. Good. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because all, all of this has way more to do with the ideas that you're putting out in that and, and, and into the ether, into the universe without a second's thought as to, hey, is am I actually making an, an impact from what I'm saying here? And if I am, am I willing to go and fight the fight? Yesterday, there was a hospital bombed in the Gaza Strip. I saw this. Many hundreds dead. Mm-hmm. I don't know who bombed the hospital and neither do you. And that is the only thing you should be saying. Yeah. But if there wasn't an immediate reaction that's animalistic because of what you saw, then you're complicit in one side or the other, right? But you're tweeting from a couch or you're in between sets at the gym. I'll say my Instagram bio does make a difference though, Frank. When people see like a Ukrainian flag in there, they know what I'm fucking about and it sparks the change it really upsets me because because if it it doesn't it really doesn't matter to us who bombed that hospital yesterday i know it really sucks to say that and to hear that and you you hear that and you 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 might have like a visceral reaction in your body how could you say that hundreds of people dead um i I saw you know i saw a video uh, and there's just babies the the age of my son just dozens of them lying on the floor Mm mm-hmm and it's awful to look at, but am I, is this my fight here as an, as an American? That's where your tax I, I want, Am I caught up in, in some ancient tussle for land? No, I'm not. And neither are you. Yet your tax dollars are going to help fund the fight one way or the other. And, and we, we probably have no control over that. Yeah. And there's 2,000 troops, British and American, just off the coast of Gaza. World War III is here. It's not been declared, but it's here. Everyone's mobilizing. Tensions have never been higher. And you, from your Twitter fingers, with your animalistic, visceral reaction to the things that you're seeing, are the reason why. Question for you, because I've, I've heard World War III is here from several people. Charlie, who we interviewed last uh, week, was talking to me off air and, and was very passionate about it, obviously. And he, he had like a similar sentiment. If that's real, 
I would think that it would somehow have to be pulled into what's going on in, in Ukraine with Russia. Because like sure. if, you, if you just bring both of those things together, you've you've brought in through these four countries or whatever, all pretty much all of the world and their allies and, and their alliances and all this other, like th- that would be like the groundwork I would think for World War Three. Like is, is there a connection between all of this? Like it, would Iran back Palestine, who's also like kind of backing BRICS and Russia and all this other shit? Like how, how would it all kind of coheve together to actually like spark Oh man, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, you're at, yeah, you're at, you're asking me questions that are way out of my league. <laughs> but, I think you're but just what, so what, smart, Frank. I've got so much faith in your knowledge. Yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> I mean, it, it does it does look like it does look like there's an uh, an axis surrounding Russia and China and Iran, mm-hmm. the 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 big three, if you will. Um, but how it works, I mean, shoot, man, I don't I don't really know. What what I do know is that there's no way that we get pulled into this and provide assistance with boots on the ground unless there is buy-in from the American people. And how do you get buy-in? You allow people to see the worst, react emotionally, and then call for one thing or another. Or you either allow a terrorist attack or stage one to get the people in the country. To provide the justification. Exactly. Exactly. Which is, I think is what's happening. That's what I think 9-11 9-11 was, I've always talked about this many times. I think that was all fucking set up so we could get in overseas, Middle East, and do whatever the fuck we wanted to do over there. I wouldn't be surprised if this is something similar. Yeah, it, it, it may be. I'm not fighting any of these wars. Yeah. that right now. Yeah, we're probably Locking out of if you have to. the draft window, I would think, at this age of 30. Uh, I feel like anybody under the age of 40 is going to have to be uh, mobilized if, if we do get into something. I, that's what uh, I wonder. Because would it even be a war or would it just be nuke fest? Like, I, I, I don't know. I don't even know, man. It's terrifying. I was listening to uh, Matt and Shane's podcast, one of my favorite ones. But this week, Shane wasn't on. It was just Matt. And I, I love the dude. He thinks very alike to me and just the way he talks. And he was just doing a podcast kind of by himself. And he was talking about this, like, literally kind of about this exact same shit. And he was saying that it's weird to say this, but, like, for the people that survive a nuclear holocaust, World War Three, whatever that is, actually probably going to be kind of nice other than like what you're dealing with as far as whatever happened. But like people will never want to use nukes and all this other shit again. You know, like there will have to be some kind of like global reckoning of like peace so that whatever had just happened doesn't happen again. If there's people alive after that, you know what yeah. I mean? Until it happens again. God damn, but it's so scary to think about like we could wake up tomorrow and New York City's gone because of some shit like this, you know, or yeah. what, I, like, it's just, I don't, people aren't really ready for what nuclear war is. And, and I don't, I don't know. It's just scary. I agree. I thought it might be good to provide, since we're here, provide some background. There's an excellent sure. thread on Twitter about the history of this land that is so disputed. It's, it's such a tiny piece of land, too. So the question, who was there first? is uh, the Canaanites about 3,000 years ago, who happen to be the uh, ancestors of both Jews and Arabs. Israeli culture appears around 1100 BC, and it's, it looks like it's pretty clear here that uh, there is a bunch of different kingdoms, but in that area, there is the kingdom of Israel. But, but on what is now modern-day Jordan, there's the king of Aram Damascus, kingdom of Ammon, Kingdom of Moab, Kingdom of Edom in in modern day Egypt, Kingdom of Judah, and then the Philistine uh, states, which is basically the Gaza Strip. This is 850 BC. 
a long, long, long time ago. This is, this is how far back this goes. And then the Jews get conquered by the Assyrians and the Babylonians. Some stayed, some went out to exile, and then they were freed in about 550 BC and then went back to the land. And then Israel was a fully independent state. Actually, this was before those invasions. So for 500 years, Israel was a fully independent state. And then after they were conquered, the region would belong to just so many different people. And I'll list them right here, just so you know the, the complicated history here. After the Jews were conquered, it belonged to the Assyrians, then the Babylonians, then the uh, Achaemenids, then the Egyptians, then the Macedonians and the Romans, then the Byzantines, then Rashudin, Abbasid, Am Umayyad, Fatimid, Seljuk, Ayyubid, then the Crusaders, the Malmuks, the Ottomans, and then finally the United Kingdom. So the United Kingdom has Israel. Oh, to this day? No, no, no. They had it that as Israel was becoming a state. Oh, okay. I thought it was like a territory. Okay. Jewish kingdom was a semi-independent, was semi-independent, excuse me, during the Seleucid Roman periods, about 2,000 years ago. Arabs appear in the region in about 650 AD and ruled until about 1100. They were replaced by Muslim non-Arab empires, which ruled for about 800 years, except for 200 years of crusader rule. The region was never independent for 2,000 years after it was conquered by the original kingdom of Israel. Uh, at the end of the 1800s, the idea of nationalism is in vogue and anti-Semitism is rampant in Europe. Jews start planning for a new country, Israel. They start buying land and immigrating to the Ottoman region of Palestine, present, present day Israel and Palestine. And then World War I comes. The allies want to beat the Ottomans. The UK recruits local Arabs to revolt against the Ottomans, recruits local Jews to help fight and splits the Ottoman empire with other allies the Palestine region was allocated to the UK. So that's how the UK comes to have rights over the yeah. Palestine region. It just goes on to talk about the geopolitical ramifications of the UK owning this area and they're wanting to keep trade lines open. The Jews feel like there's a promise for them to have some of the land. Arabs feel like there's a promise for them to have some of the land. The UK is in charge. They're the arbiter and they say, okay, we're just going to propose a plan here. Jews get the north, Arabs get the south and the east and they keep the center coast and Jerusalem. The Jews are fine with it, but the Arabs are not, right? The Jews basically just get a tiny little strip. That's it. Yeah. The Arabs say, nope, we're not going to do it. And then World War II happens. So it's a stalemate in the Levant. World War II doesn't particularly affect the Levant, except that Jews are murdered in mass in Eastern Europe. So at the end of World War II, the United Kingdom begins to really decolonize and it wants out of the Levant. And so... The UN is formed and the UK just basically gives the Palestine region the UN. So you figure this shit out. We don't want anything to do with it. That's crazy. How many times in human history do you think people just like take this land, please? Like yeah, people know, fight right. for land always. I know. And, you know, <laughs> like this area is just so cra has been crazy for her entire history. Yeah, it's wild. So the, so the UN drafts a plan, which has become to known as the two-state solution. So it gives... Palestine, Palestinians, Arabs, the Gaza Strip, pretty much all of the central Levant, and then it makes Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem, sort of like a, uh, I guess, international land, not really owned by anybody. That's probably smart because people fought for that specific city, like right. through the Crusades and forever. So, so the, the, the UN votes on it. This plan gives 56% of the land and 33 
gives 56% of land to 33% of the population, which are the Jews. And the most of it is just desert. Uh, but the Arabs see this increase in Jewish land as encroachment. So they say no again. So this is the second time that they've been offered a state formally. And they said, no, thank you. So the UN just says, well, we've agreed on this. This is how it's going to be. The UK pulls out of that area. And the next day, Arab countries attack Israel and they, de they declare war on Israel. So now there's a war of independence. And it goes on from the 15th of May to the 10th of June, 1948. And miraculously, Israel prevails. So they take the land that was provided to them by the UN plus some more because they've conquered it. The Arabs have said no to the UN plan. They went to war with Israel, which is not even a, was not even a state yet. Israel won, and then they, be, then they began to take a little bit more land. So you can see here in this map, there's the area that was uh, assigned to them, the area that they conquered, and then the Arab area re uh, that remains, which is sort of kind of what it looks like today, but you'll see that it, it, it diminishes some. East Jerusalem assigned international control by Transjordan. So Jerusalem is international land because it's the host of the holy sites for the three major religions in all of the world. But during the war that was started by Arabs, 750,000 of them are displaced, expelled, or flee from the Jewish area. This is known as the Nakba or the disaster, and they cannot come back after the, after the war. This is war, right? Mm -hmm. Egypt takes the Gaza Strip. Jordan takes the West Bank. They have the opportunity to create a Palestinian uh, country in these areas, but they keep it for themselves. Arabs are not happy. They plan another attack. This is in 1967. Uh, Israel gets wind of it, and they strike first as they shoot down the air forces of Egypt, Jordan, and Syria. In one day, they push all three countries back, taking over Sinai, West Bank, and the Golden Heights. Uh, again, this is another offensive by Arabs to conquer this land. Not take it back by any diplomatic means, but to conquer it. And they lose again. So Israel now absorbs more of this land. Another 300,000 uh, uh, Palestinians flee the West Bank. 100,000 flee the Golden Heights. Egypt and Syria attack again. In 1973, this is the Yom Kippur War. You've heard about this. Initially, they uh, assume victory, but Israel prevails. And now they basically control the whole area. A few years later, they give the Sinai back to Egypt and they sign a peace treaty with Jordan in 1994. And over the last few dec decades, Israel continues its international efforts and normalizes relationships across the world to be recognized as a legitimate state by the world. So in 2002, it looks like they have relations diplomatically with, I don't know, 60% of the world, 65% of the world, North Africa, pretty much every Arab state in the Middle East, and some places in Asia. And also, what is that? Colombia? Paraguay? I don't know. Some country in South America. They don't recognize Israel. So the question is, who deserves the land? Who was there first? Israel was there first. Yeah. Who's there most recently? Israel is there most recently. Over the last thousand years, Israel, the UK, Ottomans, and Malmuks had ruled that area. There had been no Arab rule for centuries. Jews were the first ones displaced. Then Christians were displaced. Then Arabs were displaced from the region. It's been a big old circle jerk of people just getting conquered in that region. What's wild to me, though, that, 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 like this could just be my ignorance. I never realized that Palestine wasn't a country. No. Like, I'm like, oh, maybe it hasn't been a country in... Like, I think since like the 40s, really, has it like even maybe was a country, like whatever, but. Well, it wasn't a state back then either. Yeah. Because it, it was ruled. It was ruled by. By conquerors. Yeah. Right. And even today, to this day, it's only recognized by 138 of the 193 United Nation member states. That's 
wild. <laughs> yeah, well, there's yeah, there's no there is no real state of Palestine. I mean, there is, but there's not. Um, so, what's interesting? I uh, this little juxtaposition here, I, I find very interesting. And this in this particular tweet, the question is asked: Who deserves the land? And then it asks: Who was there first? Israel. The same people who would be willing to sign a document in support of what Hamas had done in Israel two weeks ago are also the same people that, if they were to congregate about said letter before signing it and have a discussion about it. The first thing that they would say is we recognize that we are on the stolen land of so-and-so native tribe in America. Yeah. The first people that were here and then were conquered. Why don't we feel the same way about Israelis? Good point. Interesting, right? If you ask me, it's probably because they are viewed as white. That's honestly, I think that is how uh, simplistic and stupid uh, the left is in America. That's just my view. Then it asks the question about morality. The Jews suffered the Holocaust. They had no other place to go. So they went to Israel, but then a million Arabs were displaced. And they'd been constantly losing ground for about 100 years. Both of those things suck pretty equally. Arabs had many opportunities to get a state in Palestine. That's kind of where I get hung up. They had a bunch of opportunities to say, hey, here is your state. Be recognized by the world. Have this state. And they said no. Both the UK proposal and the UN resolution. And several proposals thereafter, they said no. So this two-state solution seems to be uh, like not working, not working. So then the ultimate question, who deserves the land? And the answer is it depends who you want. There's good arguments on both sides. The truth is everyone's biased and they tilt the arguments in their favor. So do we go to a world war to figure this out, you think? Or do you no, think, no, yeah, we don't. You know what I'm saying? We don't. Certainly not. The way Biden's talking, we do. He's in full, like he says that we have the capacity to fully support Ukraine, to fully support Israel, and still defend our borders and keep working on America. Because we're America. We can do anything. And I just don't, I don't see it, bro. I don't, unless we're just like print as much fucking money as we can before BRICS happens because it's all going to be worthless someday. It, and it we does need to seem, do what we can do now. It's, it's like, I don't see how it works. I don't see how it works either. And it does seem that America's leverage on the world stage is diminished right now. Diminishing quickly, bro. I even like I heard France, Germany, and Mexico have all applied to BRICS too. Yeah, but I'm talking specifically about this conflict. Obviously the Ukraine conflict, but then this conflict too. Right. It seems as though there's a lot more people willing to stand up against the United States, even if maybe they're not right. You know, maybe, I mean, what is right? I don't know. But a lot more people are willing to stand up to America as a world power and say, eh, we're not buying your bullshit here. Yeah, because Iran is allied closely with Palestine, I believe. Yes. And then they're, Iran obviously is in bed with China, North Korea, and Russia, who were already pissing off on another front. It's just like, that's that's where I, that's what was kind of when I asked you earlier. I see like our, Iran as like the, the bond between both of these conflicts and a way that it would get escalated even further. Well, for sure. And I'll tell you right now, if we get into any sort of war with Iran, any sort of war, we're fucked. Yeah. Hard. Mm-hmm. Hard. It's not what we want, man. It's not what we want. Not even a little bit. And again, I, I, I have to go back to it, it is you, the populace. It is you, the emotional reactor to things that are seen, putting it out there that we should be doing one thing or another that is going to make or break whether or not we go to war. And I'm, de- I'm dead serious about that. You might feel like you don't have a voice, but you do and you use it all the time and you probably use it foolishly. And I'll ask you, the supporter of Israel. I speak directly to you now. What have you to say about the Armenians that you have helped be killed by the thousands in Azerbaijan? Israel is helping directly kill Christians in Azerbaijan. And this is not a secret. This has been going on for quite some time now. And everybody's pretty quiet about it. 
unless you don't like Israel, then, then you would like to amplify that voice. But I, I only bring that up to say, like, what is, what is that about? Why are we doing that? Does anybody have anything to say about what Israel's doing to Christians in Azerbaijan? If you're saying that we should bomb Hamas and Gaza to hell, what do you say about that? And that's what I mean. This shit's complicated. Yeah. Nobody has an answer for it. And now to the point where we're having attacks on the hospitals with innocent people and both sides are blaming each other. The media runs with either side that they want to run with and no exactly. one really knows what the fuck is going on. Like somebody wins? bombed a fucking hospital with innocent people. And the regime wins because mm-hmm. they get the reaction on both sides. Yep. And that's, that is what's most important here. Because most, what's most important here for the people that are leading us is that we do go to war. It's like not a secret, man. Yeah. War is how we continue to exert dominance, not just from a force standpoint, but from the ability to keep the war machine running and to keep people's pockets fleeced. It's very important to, to the most important people that we yeah. continue to fight. And I know I know I keep bringing it up, man, but I, I feel like the timing is not, it's not just a coincidence that it's aligning with BRICS. I know I keep saying that, but it's like, if we go to war with what's looking like BRICS nations, we, we keep people on our side on the dollar because they won't be able to deal with the BRICS currency and trade with those people. They want to stay with the people that they're allied with. So it's another way to cement power in the dollar and, and keep our foothold strong on the world stage i i think yeah i mean there's there might be something to that i I wouldn't be i wouldn't be surprised i I think i think the demise of the u.s dollars probably coming sooner than later Mm -hmm. i you know we probably could have held on for a solid 20 more years if we didn't just piss the entire world off um over the past 20 years by our our hubris and ignorance and acting on the world stage and just thinking that there was no consequences for going in and killing a ton of muslims in iraq in Afghanistan, piss a lot of people off. That piss a lot of people off financially bankrolling a war in Ukraine. Piss a lot of people off doing that. So I think it's okay to see these things happening and be upset about them. Unless you are going to accept an invitation to go and fight it yourself, shut the fuck up. Seriously, shut mm-hmm. up. Yeah. Stop talking. Your opinion doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's not about you. And Thinking, if we go to war, it's not even something we vote on anyway. It's not something we vote on, and it's not level. something that you're going to fucking fight in. <laughs> yeah. So shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Seriously, stop talking. It's been the most disgusted I've been with the reaction to something that has happened on, on the global stage. Because it's just like everybody just just wants to dig in so bad. I'm like, why aren't you supporting my side? Because my side's done this. Well, this is why I'm not supporting your side, because my side's done this. Well, shut the fuck up. Are you going to go fight? Stop talking. When, when you have something to say, and you don't know what you're talking about, it has consequences. We talked about this lefty activist that was killed in New York, New York mm-hmm. last week. Oh, there's been another murder. Uh, a gentleman named Ted Lawson. He's a canvasser and the secretary for the Ingham County Democratic Party was shot and killed over the weekend in cold blood. Mm. He was a leader in the Democratic Party in mid-Michigan, real close with Gretchen Whitmer, the governor. With this article I'm reading here in CBS News fails report that I had to dig for, it was a 15-year-old kid Asked him for money and then shot him. Damn. 15 years old. Why does a 15-year-old shoot a stranger after asking them for money? Guess it's as good as mine. Yeah. I don't really know, but I think policy has something to do with it. Over the past few years, Representative Cory Bush got shot at in St. Louis. Representative Mary Gay Scanlon has been carjacked. Representative Angie Craig attacked her at home. Rand Paul Stafford was stabbed. Representative Henry Queller was carjacked. So the things that you put out into the, into the universe, the things that you say... The opinions that you have that you just so flippantly just vomit because it's how you feel. Those are the consequences for it. So again, I implore you to shut the fuck up. <laughs> Take a beat. Go for a walk. Touch some grass, as they say. But seriously, it's not before too long that these things start happening to you. 
And it's only in the moment before your last breath where you're going to be like, well, fuck, this sucks. I should have been a Republican. Fuck. <laughs> Was that his last thought, you think? Yeah. Yeah, it might have been. <laughs> I backed the wrong side. It's all for naught. I'm seeing red. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's blood, though. It's blood. It's not, it's not politics. I hasten to say that any Republican's going to save you from this either. But you got to know that if you're advocating for defunding the police, if you're advocating for tearing down of American pillars of American society based off of racism and denouncing everything as evil because of what has come before it, these are the consequences. And again, it, it's not only until it happens to you that you begin to realize that you made a mistake. This is somebody I'd never seen before until yesterday. Let me get his name. What is this guy's name? He is running for Prime Minister of Canada. Ooh. Trudeau's got some competition. I don't understand how a elected official gets caught for blackface twice and still holds his office. The <laughs> Canadian people are very forgiving. Leader of the Conservative Party of Canada. His name is Pierre Palivery. Palivery? I don't know. I even know. But here is somebody who disagrees with this man talking to him, and he just dismantles him. On the, on the topic, I mean, in terms of your sort of strategy currently, you're obviously taking the populist uh, pathway. Um, what does that mean? <laughs> well, ap appealing, appealing to people's uh, more emotional levels, I would guess. Um, I mean, certainly you tap uh, very strong ideological language quite frequently. Like what? Uh, left wing, you know, this and that, right wing, they, you know, I mean, it's that, that type of ideological thing. About, I never really talk about left but or right. Anyways, a lot I of don't really believe in that. Okay. A lot of people would, would say that you're simply taking a page out of the Donald Trump uh, book. Like which people would say that? Well, I'm sure a great many Canadians, but... Like who? <laughs> I don't know who, but... Well, you're um, the one who asked the question, so yeah. how, you must know somebody. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm sure there's some out there, but anyways, the, the point of this the point of this question is, I mean, why should why should Canadians trust you with their vote, given you know not not just the sort of ideological inclination in terms of taking the page of Donald Trump's book, but what are you also, talking about? What page? What page? Can you give okay. me a page? Give me the page. You keep <laughs> in, saying in terms, that. in terms of tur turning things quite dramatically in terms of of Trudeau and and the left wing and all of this. I mean, you 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 make quite a you know it's it's quite a play that you make on it. So I'm I'm not sure. I don't, under, I don't I don't know what your question okay. is. Then forget that. Why should Canadians trust you with their vote? Common sense. Okay. Common sense for for a change. We're going to make common sense common in this country. We don't have any common sense in the current government. You know, the guy prints $600 billion, grows our money supply by 32% in three years. That's growing the money eight times faster than the economy. No wonder we have the worst inflation in four decades. I'm gonna cap spending, cut waste, so that we can balance the budget and bring down inflation and interest rates. You'll wanna be able to pay your mortgage again. You wanna be able to afford rent. Then you have to vote for Pierre Polyev because I'm the only one with a common sense plan that will bring back the buying power of your paycheck. Pierre Polyev. Why does him eating the apple look like he's just taking out a big hammer and just laying it on the table? <laughs> it's Isn't like it with each bite, just fuck you. Yep. Fuck you. That was the guy horrible. wasn't like asking him a question though. He was like, it was almost like buzzwords of like things that people don't like and trying to make them stick yeah. to this dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, how, that's how easy it is to, yeah. if this, if this guy was a, uh, a little bit more of a like a, an emotional reactor he he might just 
in a fit just run away because a lot of these people they don't they don't even know how to defend their own positions they just know words they just know words yeah right and they just say them and they're like they, they, when they're confronted like this guy they have nothing they have nothing mm-hmm. blind moral superiority is how this was described i think that's perfect blind moral superiority if society backs the way that you think and doesn't require that you have any sort of proof for the way that you think, that is how you develop smug people like this guy. He's not a bad dude. He's just smug. He sees this guy. He sees a caricature that was painted for him. And the, the, the story he's telling himself is that he's just some right-wing lunatic. But when he's pressed on it, just a little bit, just, oh, okay, this is what you're saying about me? I don't agree with that premise. Can you provide any example? And he can't. Yeah. He's in the moment and he starts to flounder. I, I think it's beautiful. I think it's beautiful. Um, you want to do picks? We should. Because I think that's beautiful. I think that scoreboard of those picks is beautiful. I had a, I had a strong showing for a little while last week. Yeah, and you I did. Didn't. You started hot. Where are we at? Week Oof. seven picks, baby. 56 to 37. That is a good clip. 49 and 44 right now. Um, if you're not betting these, <laughs> you should be. I'm talking directly to you. <laughs> I know. I really should be. Dude. I, I put money on mine every week. Do you? I'm not yeah. like a ga- a sports gambler really ever. I, it's Easy like a do. slippery slope. I'm not a gambler in general, man. I don't know why. Maybe I'll it's, take your picks this week. doesn't excite me. I want some cut of that. Okay. I thought I was winning per per week on this thing, but I don't know. I think you are. I think you are. Should we just do like a grand prize at the end maybe? Well, yeah, I'll saddle up at the end, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, rapid fire real quick before we get there. New Orleans at home against Jacksonville, and they are two-and-a-half-point favorites on this line. I don't, that, that seems high. I like Jacksonville here. Coming off the bye, I like Jacksonville too. They just beat Buffalo in what was Thursday pretty night. much a home game in London for them last week. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, give me, give me Jacksonville. I, they, I really like what they're doing over there, man. I don't know. Yeah, they look good. They look good. Baltimore is hosting Detroit. Five and one Detroit. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Even still, Detroit is a two and a half point dog. Makes sense. On the road. On the I road. think they're due to lay an egg. Baltimore is so tough, dude. They're so tough. I'm going to take Baltimore. They're tough, but I've seen Lamar make more mistakes this year holding the ball, running, scram, like he than I've ever seen him in, in pass. And Detroit's pass rush, that's their best part of their defense is that front seven. So I think they put the pressure on him. I think we're going to see two, maybe even three turnovers in this game. We're going to see Jared Goff with like another 250, 300-yard performance, two touchdowns. Give me the Lions. I love how, I just love how you build that up. You like because that? the fall is going to be so much greater. <laughs> Tampa Bay is hosting Atlanta in a divisional matchup. Tampa Bay is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, this is a little tiff. Tampa Bay did get pretty washed by Detroit. Defense did look tough in some parts of the game, though. I'm going to take Atlanta. Are you? I'm going to go with the home team, Tampa. Washington is in New York, and they're one-and-a-half-point favorites. I hate this game. I love this game. Give me Washington all day. Same. I'm taking Washington, but I just uh, I don't trust either team. I hate this game. Las Vegas is in Chicago, and they're three-and-a-half-point favorites. I don't like either of these teams. I really don't think Chicago is that bad. I mean, they're bad, but they're not that bad. And Vegas has three wins miraculously. I just don't think they played anybody, really. They're not good. Justin Fields, though, dislocated his thumb last week, couldn't grip a football during the game. He tried to go back in, which credit to him, even though he's a Buckeye pussy. But, like, he did. He tried to go back in the game, but could not grip a football. So I I don't know how that's improved over the week, but 
what I'm seeing is that this backup dude is trending on all the fantasy sites, so I'm thinking he's mm-hmm. going to start. There's no way that they beat them. Like, with the Bears without Justin Field are a dumpster fire. Right. So it, I, I got to take the Raiders. I'm going to take Chicago, and I reserve the right to change my pick up until game time when we know what's going on with Justin Fields. Fair enough. I'll give you that. Buffalo is in New England in a divisional game. They are eight-and-a-half-point favorites. I fell in love with the line last week because I just thought Buffalo would destroy the Giants, and they barely squeaked away with a win. It's a weird Buffalo team, man. Like, they can go out and just score 40 points against New England. I I don't know. I really don't know. Um, I don't think anything is trending right for New England, and I don't see why it would this week. So give me Buffalo. Same. They're talking about having Bill Belichick out of New England at the end of the year, which is crazy to think about. Wow. Sucks this year. I mean, he sucks this year. He's made the playoffs once in the past, like, five years. Do you think he's Um, a great coach, though? Like, do you think... How much of that was Brady are we seeing? Like, are, are people just, like, finally figuring out the Belichick system? Or, like, did Tom Brady really, was he the engine to that locomotive? I'd give I'd give Tom Brady 50% of the credit there. At least sure. 50? Okay. At least 50. Maybe yeah. 51. Because they've been favorite. awful since he left. Mac Jones had, yeah. like, one good season. They kind of made the playoffs. And then awful. Yeah, pretty bad. Cleveland? That defense beat, is legit, bro. They beat, uh, they beat the Rams. That was my crowning achievement last week. Not Niners. I, I chose I chose uh, that line. Um, that was Niners, though, not Rams, which is even more impressive. What did I say, Rams? You just said Rams, yeah. Oh but my bad, yeah, the Niners. They beat um, who I think is the best team in the NFL right now. Is the yeah, Niners. definitely. They and they and they beat them with a backup quarterback. Yeah, there wasn't That's a ton great. of mistakes going on. They just they played sound football and their defense was awesome. Mm-hmm. And they're a two and a half point favorite in Indianapolis this week. That, that line seems a little bit low to me. I'll take Cleveland. I feel like that's a a value pick there. Yeah, with they're just saying that Indy's quarterback's going on IR for the rest of the season, so they're going to be with Gardner Minshew going forward. I, I, yeah, give me Cleveland. That seems like it He's should be bigger. He He's is serviceable. serviceable. Yeah, they he is. They, they do the thing. Um, Rams are hosting the Steelers. Steelers are three and two. I don't like this pick. This this is not fun for me. I'll take Pittsburgh uh, begrudgingly. Okay, I'm taking I'll LA. Take Taking LA. I haven't seen okay. enough from Pittsburgh's offense to think that they're going to do enough to. I, I know their defense is good, but LA's got a lot of weapons. I think they put up some points, and Pittsburgh does not. Gotcha. Divisional game Seattle hosting uh, the Arizona Cardinals, and they're seven and a half point favorites at home. Cardinals are one and five, but they're not an easy out. They're pretty tough. I mean, they play pretty tough. They do. Seattle's half. I'll take Arizona. Okay. I'll I'm take rolling, the points. I'm rolling Seattle. Kansas City hosting the LA Chargers. I was a half point away from making a really sage yeah. prediction yeah. last week. You were. Almost only counts in horseshoes and hand grains, though, my friend. Yeah. So you can't dwell on that. <laughs> I am going to dwell on it, and I'm going to take the Chargers <laughs> to, <laughs> to lose a close one. Okay. They'll lose a close one. Uh, that's that's a lot of points. and That's what they do, though. Yeah, they, they lose, lose close, close ones. Games. And yeah. Give me five and a half points? Absolutely. I don't, I don't. I don't think they... I don't think they lose by... by. So th- this is basically saying they lose by a touchdown or not. I say they don't. I say they, they make it more of a game. I'm just thinking if Taylor Swift's in the building, <laughs> they got to, you know, that's good for a touchdown at least. So I'm going to take Kansas City. Green Bay is in Denver, and they're one and a half point favorites. <laughs> one and a half points, dude. I'm not, I'm not going to take Denver for any reason. So give me Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Uh this game next the one's week. the hardest game of the week. Yeah, it's the yeah. hardest one. Philly hosting Miami. Both teams 5-1. and one. 
Philly is a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Give me Miami. And this one to run away with it. Actually, I don't think it's going to be close. Really? Yeah. I think I'm, they're going to beat the shit out of Philadelphia. Yeah. I I don't know, man. I, I, I'm i picking Miami, too. I think, it'll, I think it'll be closer, though. Just, yeah. You can't stop that offense. It's just too it's strong right unstoppable. now. unstoppable. Yeah. They have everything. I question, oh, go ahead. This last pick, I have one NFL yeah. question. San Francisco on Monday night is in Minnesota. They're six and a half point favorites. They're banged up. Uh, They're saying all those guys can come back this week, though. Yeah. Debo, Christian, and Trent could all come back this week. So, do you think, I don't know. You think they bounce back on Monday night? They're playing the they Vikings, bro. The Vikings. Minnesota are, by more than a touchdown? Man, I, I do. I do. Minnesota is just not impressive, man. They barely beat the Bears yeah. with a backup quarterback in, in the game for for the Bears. I just, I don't know what, it, Minnesota, I was like worried about Minnesota going into the season. Like I was amped for Detroit and all this other shit, but I'm like, Minnesota's just so stacked, blah, blah, blah. And it's just, Kirk Cousins is done in the league to me, man. I, he needs to get the fuck out of there. I'll take the Niners. Yeah, same. My question for you, NFL related, uh, coach of the year, do you think it would go to Mike McDaniels for Miami or... The other, in my head, logical choice would be my man from Detroit, Mr. Dan. Which it's coach still you think early. Is, yeah. There's still time for Detroit to be Detroit. <laughs> it's so true. So, But I Miami is an injury. If Tua goes down, they're a very different team. Yes. Which is very likely that Tua gets a concussion in the next couple of weeks at some point. Like, it's just... If history tells us anything. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm not going to make that pick right now. Okay. I'll hold off. You, yeah, would you say I'll those are the front runners, though? Coach of the year? Yeah. Yeah. For sure, um, you can put Andy Reid up there. Chiefs are five and one. They haven't looked great though. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. He's pulling them through. So I don't know how they grade Coach of the Year, but yeah, I have no idea. Uh, I, I will. I will wait. Give me a few weeks, and I'll, I'll get back to you. All right. Well, the picks are in. Picks are in. I got official. Yeah, it is that time. Wow, we, that was that went quick. Oh, very quick. We love you guys. We love you. You love us. Give us a review online on any of the platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio. Uh, it means a lot. It helps us get in front of a lot of new people. So if you could do that, that'd be awesome. Uh, if you want to reach out to us with any questions, comments, concerns, someone you think we should interview, email us at bummerdo.media at gmail.com. And if you want to find us on our socials, it's at FriendshipNH on Twitter and at FriendshipNewsHour on TikTok and Instagram. We love you. See you next time.